0: I don't know who's been here for the summer, um, but it's been so sweet. I just feel like God's presence has been really kind. Um, I feel like he's answering prayers that you don't know I've been praying, that our staff's been praying, and there's just nothing sweeter than God's presence. We can kind of overcomplicate what we're after in church and what we're after in our walk with God. We kind of can bring our plans and then cross our fingers that his presence will join them. But man, I feel like in this space, we've gotten, we're really growing and going, God, in your presence, we'll find our plans. We'll find out how life's gonna work, but it's your presence first. It's your presence first. That's that's all I need is your presence. And it's just been really fun. Outside of last week, last week we talked about tithing um, and I was nervous the whole time and that went great. Um, But this week, we're kicking off a a new series, and we were going to start a series on prayer this week, but we decided to press pause and to wait until our college students got back. Um, Otherwise, they'd be joining us right in the middle of a prayer series, which didn't sound that smart, honestly, it was my idea, but it wasn't a good one. And so uh, so for the next three weeks, uh, we're actually going to kind of zoom out a little bit, and we're going to revisit our mission statement, which is to love God. Yeah, and it's pretty easy for that just to become a tagline that doesn't really touch our hearts at all, and so it actually, it's so good to slow down, break it up, and visit kind of the love God, which is where we're going to focus this week, the love people, that'll be next week, and then awaken a movement three weeks from now, and then in four weeks at the end of August, we're going to talk about house church, and our house churches are going to launch, it's going to be awesome, and so um, for those that are newer and are wanting community, that are wanting to find a small group, just Keep your eyes out. At the end of August, we'll talk about that, all right? So today, loving God. Love God. The most church thing ever, right? Like, God loves you. You love God. Yeah. Does anyone else, like, hear that and not hear it at all? Yeah. If you've been a Christian or been at church or are aware of Christianity or just somehow the algorithm put a pastor on your Instagram feed. You know this, we talk about loving God a whole lot. And what I've learned about myself is there are some really simple things that I would call like basic stuff. God loves you, that's basic. But if we're not careful, the top soil of our heart will go, I've heard that before. And we'll shoo it away and neglect that maybe the Holy Spirit of an infinite God isn't done teaching you about his love. So when I say love God, I need us all to agree on something. We all have a tendency right now to assume we have arrived. We know what I mean when I say God loves you and you love God. So right now in this room, can we just collectively agree? We're gonna be open to the Holy Spirit potentially Teaching us more about what it means to be in love with God today. I want us to just say yes to James chapter one that says, receive the word with meekness. I've been referencing that more and more. I studied it in my house church several weeks ago and it hasn't left my mind. That word meekness, sponge-like, absorbent, right? Like when you hear the words today, go, God, will you help my heart to hear them and then rehear them and then rehear them and help me to keep listening until that message gets deep into my soul, right? Talking about God loving you and you loving God is something that you're gonna understand up here, but like His Holy Spirit, I think, needs to drive it down deep within us. At the very core of who we are, we want to know that God loves us and that we love Him, but it takes us not shooing it away, not being dismissive, all right? So is everyone ready to receive? We ready? Yeah, some of us aren't, and that's totally okay. So as a church, we want to be a church that loves God. But we have to get the order right. Us loving God does not start with us loving God, right? And so I want to start with this word, Abba. If you're taking notes. We're going to talk about this word, Abba. The first time I remember coming across this word is in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22. John 18, right? I've referenced this story so much because this prayer just blows my mind. Like when you really let yourself embrace everything that's going on in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus, the day has arrived, the day he said would come, where he would be arrested and crucified. He takes his disciples out to the Garden of Gethsemane, lit by the moon. He tells them to start praying because he knows we're hours away from my arrest. Some of you might already know this, it's the most stressed out point in all of scripture. He says, I'm distressed until the point of death. And his instinct is to take his disciples to the garden, tell them to pray, and he goes on and he hits his knees by himself. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm stressed out, my prayer life is different. When I'm calm, cool, and collected, my circumstances are kind of in order. I'll hit my knees. God, (laughs) wow. Man, look at you. You're amazing. When I'm stressed, God, okay, I got a couple things you need to take care of like right now, all right? We got a budget. We're spending more than we're making, dear Lord. Bring in money. We need surplus, God. We don't need enough. We need more than enough right now. You know what I mean? Like, man, like, I just need him to ask me out. Like, Lord, will you just like send him to me? Ask him out. Tell him right now, over there at the table. Send him, Lord. You know what I'm saying? Like, you ever had those anxious prayers where you're like, look, we ain't got a lot of time right now. I just need you to hear me, hear my cry. And I think about Jesus and how stressed out he is in this moment. And he hits his knees. And the first word out of his mouth, Abba. Not like, hey, help me, okay? Where are you? What is going on? Like, I don't want this. Because like he later prays, remove this cup. He's about to pray what he doesn't want. But he starts with Abba, this word that means father. It's a term of endearment, of trust, deep connection, Immediately what's implied in his stress when he says Abba is first things first. I know you love me. I trust you. First thing. I'm gonna get to it. In fact, in the same sentence, I'm gonna get to it. But first thing, he sets his heart. Abba, Father, not magic genie, not divine boss, not cosmic king that rules with an iron fist, but Abba, it reminds me of Matthew 6, the disciples. They asked Jesus how to pray. They're like, Jesus, you pray a lot. And I guess before you got here, you got prayed to. How does that work? Anyway, you're probably really good at prayer since you got both sides of that one covered, right? Come on, come on, come on. Little Trinity joke. Yeah, incarnate, all right. He goes, when you pray, pray like this. First words out of his mouth are what? Our Father, our Father. The disciples would have heard this, and I promise you that would have been a new thought. Thought-provoking moment. When Jesus said, okay, when you pray, pray like this. Like, All right, look, everybody be quiet. Jesus is about to tell us how to pray. And he says, our Father. They'd have been like, hold up. You're talking about Yahweh, like the name that we can't even utter? You talking about the same God that like the high priest had to make sure he was totally purified before entering into the of Holies, lest he be struck dead for his filth that he didn't even know he had? What? What do you mean, Father. With Jesus comes this invitation to intimacy that didn't previously exist. He's reorienting how they understand what prayer even is. He's like, Yeah, when you talk to God, it's our Father. Now, I know some of us don't have a good picture of an earthly Father. So, know this God is the original Father, and He's perfect at it. He's the best Father. Some of you guys have dads that left, God has never left. Some of you guys have dads that never showed up when they said they would. God has always shown up. Some of you guys had dads that promised you they'd have your back when everything got bad and everything got bad and they were gone. Nowhere to be found. God will always have your back. This is the best picture of a father we get in God. He cares about your future. He cares about you right now. I believe he laughs, cries, mourns, rejoices with you. And the disciples would have heard Jesus say, Father, and been like, what do you mean? And some of us right now, we're comfortable with the language Father, but we've yet to embrace the fact that God is actually your Father. His posture towards you is one of a Father. Check out this passage, Romans 8, 14 through 17. Y'all, this is about to turn up. I've been just trying to get to this moment. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons or children by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, Woo! provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Galatians 4, 4 through 6, same author. Paul loves talking about this apparently. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, let's recap Galatians. So God sent forth his son. Jesus takes on the flesh, living under the law, the law of what? Sin and the consequence of sin, death, to redeem those under the law. So Jesus died to pay a redemption price, to set free slaves of sin and death. Paul's using legal matters to help us understand. You've been purchased. God has been satisfied so that we might receive adoption as sons, children of God. Paul is, Paul is saying, God has done what is necessary to win you unto him. Before we call him father, he calls us children. So the children can say, oh, that must mean father. Father. Okay, salvation is free, a gift of God, because it's been purchased. You've been purchased. Salvation is not of works because the work has been done. Okay, salvation's not free just because like, uh Salvation's free because it was purchased. God's saying, I bought the right to call you children. I earned that. You never have to earn it. But make no mistake, I earned it. I didn't, God did. Probably shouldn't speak on behalf of God. Uh, and God sends the spirit into our hearts. Jesus calls it the helper, the spirit of truth. And the Holy Spirit in us, children of God, followers of Jesus, surrendered, okay? The spirit cries out accurately and appropriately, Abba, Father when you hit your knees, and this little voice in you wants to believe that you are welcomed, that you are loved, that you're a child, you need to hear this. That's the truth. That's the Holy Spirit inviting you, saying, join me. Join me as I call this God, Father, Abba, Father. You're right. It's the doubt, the shame, the fear, the ADD, the sin. All those sayings are convincing you that it's just the insecure little voice in you that wants to call him Father. No, the Holy Spirit, the helper, the spirit of truth that is alive in your chest is telling you, please join me in speaking out who he really is. Abba, Father. That is God's posture for you that he purchased, that he earned. And so when you approach God and you show up in a hurry or you're praying haphazardly or nervously or reluctantly, you need to know this, on the deepest level, you are talking to your father who sees you. He loves you. I started thinking about the, like, Full House. You guys seen Full House? I'm sure I'm my age. Yeah, I know you have, Luke. Anybody else? <laughs> Any of the college students? Uh, full house, family matters. Anyway, good family TV, classic stuff. And at the end of every episode, like clockwork, the keys start playing. I mean, cheesy keys, like the most emotional kind of music. Like, like if you weren't even watching TV and you just heard the track, you'd start tearing up a little bit. Like, man, like what's going on? <laughs> this is like a sad song. And inevitably, the dad kneels down by the bedside on one knee, looks at his kid, and he ties the bow perfectly on the whole episode. Hey, when you did that, it's because you were jealous and that's okay, I love you. And the child repents perfectly. And you're just like, wow, parenting. I can't wait. I can't wait to have all those moments, right parents? Isn't that so sweet every time? Yeah. But I literally thought like as cheesy as that is, as corny as that is, like that's actually God. His posture to you, no matter what, he gets on his knees, he's like, hey, I care. Do you know that about God? When you pray to God, his first question is not, are you acceptable? You've been behaving? His first thought is, I care. I love you. Glad you're here. I've already been with you, but glad that you're with me. This is great. And I've learned this about myself. I was the shallow heart. I was the heart going, I already know about God. I'm the guy that gets on Instagram. mm, Sees an Instagram pastor, you're loved. I'm like, ugh, our culture. It's all about you being loved. And the whole time, the Holy Spirit's being like, I'm trying to talk to you right now. You are loved. I didn't realize that I hadn't graduated from that yet. And in fact, in this past few months, I'd say like all of 2022 and a lot of 2021, I had been living with this assumption that I, I honestly had never verbalized, I never thought this way, but it was real. I assumed that whenever I was straying away, whenever I wasn't reading, wasn't praying, like I used to love the inner closet, I loved my prayer life. and for months I just neglected it, and here's what I assumed. I didn't assume like God was my enemy but I assumed he was waiting for me to get back on his side. And he wasn't saying I wasn't on his side, but I wasn't on his side, you know what I'm saying? And recently, in the past few months, despite what I would call disobedience, what I would call like neglecting my prayer closet, neglecting my heart for God, time and time and time again, he has sent people with random words my grandpa called me for the second time in two years. Hey, Josh, I was reading First Samuel. He had no idea about the First Samuel series we had just spent months in. And it said, David got his strength from the Lord. And he puts you on my heart. Get your strength from the Lord. I had a friend go, hey, I know this pastor. I want you to meet with him. And I trust this person. So I'm like, okay. And so I meet with this pastor. He's like in his 60s or 70s. He's amazing. He sits with me. And all this dude wants to talk to me about is the presence of God. And over and over and over again, I keep getting these messages, these stories, these phone calls, these coincidences that keep pushing me back to the inner closet, back to the place that I miss so bad that I no longer think I deserve because I'm too far gone. And God was showing me he is on my side. Not like in the inspo way. Like God is actually like pulling strings, showing me, hey, I don't need you to like clean up right now. I don't need you to fix your sin right now. I need you to hear me saying, I care. I'm on your side. And after a season of loneliness, after a season of feeling tired, I felt totally neglected on just a personal level. It was so hard to connect with God. I didn't even want to, because I knew my heart was in knots and he'd probably want to talk about some stuff. I didn't want to do any of that. And I just assumed, until I come back, we're on hold. And he just totally broke me of that understanding. None of my circumstances changed. He just started talking to my soul over and over and over again. You know why? Because I'm blood, I'm his family. That's my dad, that's my father. I'm not gonna start calling him daddy God, I've heard that, I ain't doing that. (laughs) That's my father. Of course that's how he is. But here I am, 31, pastoring for the last 10 years, didn't know it. Is it not crazy how much you can walk following Jesus assuming he's not actually and totally all the way on your side? He loves you so much. I got off my notes. Hold on. I started thinking about the prodigal son That story is hitting so different right now. I'm like, of course, of course the father threw a party. That's his baby. He put diapers on that man if they existed. I don't know how it worked. He watched him take his first steps, heard him say his first words. And he knew that he had went, threw away all the inheritance on booze and prostitutes, but what he needed his son to know is that that was still his son. So he said, hey, kill the fattened calf, put a robe on him, we're throwing a party because the last thing I want my child to do is come home doubting that that's my child. If you're homeless the rest of your life, you got a roof here, you're my kid. And God's showing me how true that is. Guys, that's you. And if you don't know Jesus yet, that is on the table, completely free. God cares. Why? He's your Abba. He's your Father. And Jesus didn't say, hey, a good strategy for prayer. Use the word Father, it'll help you connect. He said, when you pray, I'm telling you how to pray. Like love the poor and then say father when you pray. Like all the instructions that were like, I know Jesus said that and wants me to do it. He also wants you to come into his presence and start out with father. Start out understanding he loves you. That's your father, okay. Second, if we're gonna love God, we have to understand something very simple. God loved us first. First John 4.10, in this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins." (laughs) If we're gonna love God, we have to understand that God first loved us. It's the original, it's the purest form of love. I've been really getting into this headspace, getting around some granola people. I love the original. I like the origin, you know what I'm saying? I love On Running. You know that shoe brand, On Running? It's a great brand, love it. A lot of cushion, a lot of support. But I've learned that good posture starts in the feet. A friend told me about, it was Gentry. Gentry told me about barefoot shoes. And apparently it's like basically walking around barefoot but with shoes on, I don't know what it, I don't know what it means. Told me this story. Yeah, a friend of mine had back pain for three years, tried on these barefoot shoes. Three weeks later, she was all better. I'm like, that makes perfect sense. Because they're getting back to the original, you know, how it was supposed to be. Like my great, 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 great grandfather didn't have on running shoes. I don't even know if he had shoes. I didn't know him. Don't know about him. Don't know where I'm from. My grandpa was adopted. Anyway, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it makes sense. Of course we don't need all these new and improved shoes. Humans have existed with good feet for a long time. I got another friend. His name's James Barbet. He's back there. He started telling me about like exploring food. And he started tracing his and his wife's ancestors, where they're from and what kind of food they ate. Because kind of one of the consequences of globalization is you start eating food for the first time that no one in your family's ever eaten and you might have adverse reactions to it. Does that make sense? Even if it doesn't, I love that kind of thinking. Yeah, yeah, my great-great-great-grandpa ate bread and cookies, okay, that's all I'm gonna eat now, right? My body was built for it, I, I like that way of thinking. It feels like we're going back to Eden, restoring what once was in the same way do you know, that was, this is awful. This is going to be an awful transition. Get ready. Here comes the segue. <laughs> God's love is the definition of love. Do you know you live in a culture that has taken love and added several definitions to it? Whether they tied it to lust or a certain level of chemistry with somebody else or what they feel We've added definitions, but if you want the original barefoot version of love, you find that in God alone. He holds the truest and most real version of love that you were made to know. And he did not love out of reaction or response. He initiated, he is. And we only find true, real love in the presence of God. First Corinthians 13 says, Love is patient. You know what that means? God is patient. When I love someone, I want to be patient with them. Why? I love them. God is patient. His love is kind. You know God is kind? Let God teach you about his kindness. He's not arrogant or rude. He doesn't insist on his own way without first giving his life for you. He's not irritable or resentful. How many of you are carrying this belief that God resents you? He does not. He is not holding some list going, man, we got some things to talk about. You got a lot of stuff to make up. He does not rejoice at wrongdoing. He rejoices with the truth and he bears all things. He endures all things. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Rest. All I heard was, no, not a snake. (laughs) All right. Man, God loves you. And if you want to know what love is, it starts with God. Lastly, this gets us to our mission statement love God. Don't leave me yet, stay here. This is huge. Take notes on this. I'm not sure there's anything more important than saying, I love you in your inner closet. I do not believe we can come close to experiencing the fullness of the presence of God without these words, I love you. When is the last time you said, I love you to God and meant it? I think it's really important. I think far too often we settle for a lackluster prayer life. We skip intimacy and go right to our agenda, our instructions, our goals, because we think that's what God wants. And a heart that is not in love is a heart that at some point is not in touch with God's presence. He does not want to give you his presence without love being the centerpiece. You do not work your way into God's heart. You love your way there. I'm going to say it one more time because you need to hear it. You ready? You do not work your way into God's heart. You love your way into God's heart. We don't worship out of mere logic, we worship out of affection, out of love. I just got done reading this book. It's called Mondays with my old pastor. It's for pastors, but you should definitely read it. It's a young pastor meeting with an old pastor, and he's dying, the old pastor is, which sounds bleak, but the old pastor actually is so happy the whole time. And he just talks about decades of ministry, and he's like pouring into this young pastor. And he started talking about this like sneaky things that happens when you're in ministry, how slowly your prayer life becomes less about intimacy and more about what you're getting done for the church, You start hitting your knees. Instead of casting your affections on the Lord and receiving his love for you, you start going, okay, God, what do you need for our church? Who's sick? Who needs help? Who needs a word? Will you just help me? And slowly but surely, you forget that God has something for you. And he said, so this old pastor, early on in his ministry, made a decision. He got a pillow and started calling it his prayer bench, put it on the ground. He'd light a fire early in the morning. He'd hit his knees in prayer, and he would wait until he felt he had received the love of God and given love to the Lord. That's how he knew if he was being successful. I think this is one of the best pictures of what prayer life should be. That we come with no expectations other than Jesus, help me to receive your love and now I'm gonna love you back. I'm telling you, if you woke up every day and eventually got to the point where more often than not, you hit your knees and you waited on the Lord, you received his love, God help me receive it, and you poured out your love for him, your life would change. Everything would look different. I wanna talk about a word real quick. It's this word, linger. Now focus on, you guys here, you still here? I know I've been preaching a long time, it's kinda hot, I'm sweaty, stay here. I want you to write this word down, if you're willing, in your phone, on a piece of paper, this word, linger. In my prayer life, I can assess it in a lot of different ways, but right now I'm trying to not even assess it, because that's probably a bad word to use but I'm just going to ask myself, am I lingering? You know what it means to linger? You ever been around someone that was lingering and you weren't lingering? You know what it means. Whether it's the person you're talking to or the person waiting to talk to you. And if you don't think long enough, all you're doing is doing what? Exit strategies. All right, let's start with nonverbal cues. Check the watch. Hopefully they picked up on that moment so they won't linger so much, all right? Doesn't work, okay. Yeah, yeah, I got a few things coming up, but uh, you know, you just try to like throw like a weird sentence out that goes, I am done with this moment, be gone. You know what I mean? Anyone else ever do that? You're like, ah, you wanna be here more than me. And if you'll stop being so concerned about an exit strategy, and actually think about the compliment that is being directed straight at you, that person wants your attention, nothing else. That person has forgotten their agenda for the day. They've forgotten what's next because they're just in love with the conversation they're having with you, that's all they want. That person isn't too busy for you. They're giving you all their, if you really will soak that moment in, that is such a compliment and such a sweet thing for another human to do. Everything in their mind is cleared outside of being in conversation with you. Are you kidding me? God, forgive me for the times that I've only thought, why is this person getting on my nerves? I never for one second thought, God, they value me. That's really incredible. Help me to value people the way they value me right now. Incredible. Now, I know there's boundaries. Anyway, in your prayer life, and what, what would life look like if we learn how to linger in the presence of God? We get through our stuff, and, you're going, nah, nah, nah. and then when you're done with your routine, go, God, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. Anything you want to talk about? Nothing? Okay. Well, Lord, thank you. I'm just going to like say, say thank you for a little bit. Thank you for the clothes I'm wearing. Thank you that I can talk. Thank you for these fingers. Look at this. Huh. That is incredible. Yeah. It's wild. Can I walk? Wow. Thank you, Lord. Maybe slow down and just picture Jesus on the throne, looking at you, being the only way that you have relationship with God and just dwell on that. I'm just gonna linger in that. If you don't know where to start, picture the cross. Why does the cross matter? We have sped past that. If you want something to linger on, linger and just meditate on the cross that Jesus was hung on for all of our sins. And his dying breath said, Father, forgive them. And he did in Jesus. And just sit there and let that image work its way to the bottom of your heart. Picture him teaching, pick out a favorite parable. If you want help with the setting, he often preached in front of water because it helped the acoustics travel to thousands of people. Picture sweet Jesus talking about the four soils of the heart. What did he look like? how he knew every face in that crowd, knew where they were born, knew their whole story, knew his love for them. Picture the empty tomb. What did it mean that Jesus resurrected? And just sit there and be in awe of it and just keep telling yourself, because you'll need to, and God, I am not in a hurry. I'm just going to sit right here. Linger. If we want to be a church that loves God, we need to understand he is not in competition with our hurriedness. He is not in competition with your calendar. He's not in competition with your ADD. There might be some things that we're gonna to have to start doing less of that's gonna help us focus a little bit in the prayer closet. And when I say prayer closet, I mean a bath mat, a car, a bed, the floor, anywhere. A place that you go right there is where I go full on after the presence of the Lord. Right there is where I cast my affections on the Lord. Right there is where I try to receive the love of God. And I try not to leave until I've done so. Kevin, I don't know his last name, the pastor at Crosspoint, he was talking to a bunch of church planners one time. And he said, uh, yeah, every day I try to leave my back porch until my heart touches heaven. I didn't know what that meant, but it hit. I was like, man, that's fire. I don't know what that looks like practically, but I don't want to leave until my heart touches heaven. Dang, that's wild but I think this lingering word's touching into that, right? God, help me not to reduce my prayer life to just some trivial, trite thing. Lord, will you help me to just to to try to actually be with you, to linger with you, to show you I'm not in a hurry. And so today, my my only ask, as we talk about loving God, I want you to pray for you first and this church. God, will you help us linger? If it's true that you're Abba, that you love me first. Will you help me to linger until my soul has really received how true that is? And here's your goal. I want you to make this your goal. Sometime this week, linger. And linger for some of you is gonna mean you stay 30 seconds longer than you thought you would, and for others, two hours. No expectations. Your only expectation should be to try. Try to linger. Does that make sense? And so right now, I'm gonna leave like two minutes there's communion under your chairs, under each one. There's a little cup, it's kind of cute. Look, Uh little cup, already there for you. And here's my invitation. Before you take communion on your own, you're gonna take it by yourself, will you just pray, God, help me linger in your presence. God, help me linger. And every time you hear a baby crying and you get a little distracted, welcome to life in your inner closet. Because if there's not a real crying baby, there are going to be crying babies all in your brain. Your agenda, the funny memes, the office, Michael Scott, just all the funny jokes. I mean, my brain is just chaos, as you would have expected. God, help me linger. Help me not get discouraged. Help those distracting thoughts just come and go. Help me stay. Pray that prayer. Take communion when you're done. We'll transition to worship. The Lord... I'm going to pray first. Lord, I know. I know what you have in store. Give us patience. Help us to slow down and not think that the first time we linger, it's going to be like this mount of transfiguration. God, help us to do our part. We want your help, but we also know we have to try. Give your church what it needs, and we agree to try. Help us to be persistent in our lingering. In Jesus' name.